I like this product. I think it's a great product, so I'm willing to pay for it. I am so, so called out. <laughs> So welcome back, everyone, again to another episode of Pen Noobs. Yes, another voice, another special unknown voice. But if you are on YouTube, you can totally see his face right now. We've got a special guest today. Um, and let me just start with a few introductions, at least what this guy and his friends have done for our podcast. Today, we are joined by a very special podcaster, Pen podcaster, um, and nib grinder among other more other things and well it's it's in the description it's on the title it's cy of tokyo station pens and the podcast tokyo inkling so welcome cy to our special episode welcome cy thank you so much and you know super happy to be here i actually just um maybe a few hours ago was listening to your episode with um with uh a fig boot so kind of priming myself for what's going to come on this episode this is awesome because we were also studying because we i i personally had already listened i I listened around three days after you released the most recent Mm -hmm. one um and i was listening to your most recent episode as of the time of this recording and i came out of it wanting cats (laughs) (laughs) um we actually have let me see if i can find some cats oh let me just shift the camera a bit. I mean, it's not very. Oh gosh! You can see the cats over there. <laughs> hey cats! Hey kitties! Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. yeah that sits on our um, cabinet that holds all the washi tapes. Yes, washi tapes. Um, don't get me started with that. But I saw I saw the shelf and I saw the cats and then I listened to the episode and now I have a craving for cats. <laughs> Yeah, the cats are, they're, they're pretty cute, but I have to say they're not very good pen holders because um, the paws are too small and they're not really shaped in like a semicircle. So the pens fall off really easily. But I think that's actually one of the appeal to the cats is that you have to actually play with the balance a lot. So you're actually spending more time playing with the cats. <laughs> that's a good that makes one. a lot of sense. But anyway, um, let's go ahead and start like this segment. This is actually the second not-so-noobs episode, but regardless of what type of episode it is, we start with this segment called Noob Discovery. So Ryan, what is this segment all about? Yeah, so this Noob Discovery, it's, it's a play, it's a word play for the, word, uh, for the words New Discovery. So we call it Noob Discoveries. So in every episode that we have, we begin with us sharing our noob discoveries for that week or for that month so it could be anything about fountain pens ink stationery and so on so of course we being our guest um in today's episode we do want to hear if you do have any noob discovery as of late uh that's a that's a really hard one um i guess uh one because you know of this whole tomoe river drama and i usually only use tomoe river for my writing. So because of this tomorrow drama, I've been forced to go and try to discover a new paper that would suit my needs. And I've recently been really much into Graffilo. 
Mm. And yeah, it's a pretty expensive paper. Uh, I won't lie. It's, it's, it's not easy to find. But um, if in the case that Tomoe River does get discontinued uh, in the end, I do have a backup in Graffilo. Oh, I hope that we have access to that as well sometime soon, Ryan. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Do you also ship that with your pens? Because like, I know I've got a pending order with you. See why? Can I add that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I can, I can definitely send a bunch of Graffilo notebooks out over to you as well. Oh, gosh. I'm so excited, honestly. Like, ever since Eunice of Sushi Fan said that she got a pen from you, I have just been... Like, no spend June is a real no spend because I've yeah. been waiting for that one. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, anyway, we're going to move on now and maybe like cover the, this list of questions that we have. It's not a lot and it's not. So strict. what about your new discoveries? Your oh, new oh. discoveries. Okay. Oh, no, Jika. Our nerves are getting ahead of us. Sorry. See why? <laughs> My new discovery for this week was that um, a local brand called Shibui PH, mm -hmm. um, they make covers and cases yep. for pens. Um, apparently, you can have them personalize things. So and they look really good. They look really good. I especially like the fact that, like, as opposed to other cases that are leather, their straps are made of, instead of garter, they're made of leather. Mm -hmm. so you can adjust them and like you don't you just pull this tab over here mm -hmm. as a strap and you don't have to worry about the garter stiffening or mm -hmm. having to be replaced over time so most recently i had them bring back um bring back an already phased out model for the hobonichi a6 so instead mm -hmm. of getting one for the notebook or like i think the techo the a6 techo um, they had I had them make me one for the A6 five year. So I'm gonna get that oh. on Tuesday and I'm really excited about it. So do check it out. And as far as I know, CY, I think they can ship internationally as well. So yeah, wherever you that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's so hard to find covers for the five year because it's kind of like a weird format, right? Like not everybody does five-year journals and you know some people do three or ten or whatever and it's really only a thing in japan like you know five-year journals so it's it's actually pretty hard to get covers for those and i know because i've been trying to get covers for mine as well mine is an a5 and i'm using the um the superior labor uh leather cover and it's a really tight fit but somehow it's working i know akane she's she got one off of etsy and it didn't really fit and it kind of bent the back of her spine. Um, yeah, but uh, I think it's okay. I mean, it's the, the cover, the, the base book itself, you know, it's not like a super hard cover or anything. So as long as we find something that suits, I, I'm sure it's going to be okay. Yeah. And if ever they do ship to Japan, I'll give you a heads up on Instagram. Thank you. Sure. Ryan, what about you? Well, mine isn't really a noob discovery, or at least for people who are listening who are into this ink brand, it's not a noob discovery, but for me it is. Um, what makes it a noob discovery, however, is that there is a special edition of the Robert Oster um, inks, and they have one exclusively for Galen Leather. So it's called the Sudi um, Shearwater. So there, if you do get to see it, it says there's Sudi Shearwater Galen Leather. So... It's a nice ink, and actually, um, two months ago, I wasn't into Robert Oster inks because I wanted my inks to 
have a nice bottle. <laughs> I was so particular with the bottle. Like, I want my my fountain pen inks to have a really nice bottle so that it feels very quote unquote legit. But I found, or actually I've realized the appeal of the Robert Oster bottles because it's so easy to store. I mean, most of my inks would take up a lot of space. I'll get one sample, like let's say the Hiroshizuku. So it takes up a lot of space as compared to the Robert Oster. So it's just gonna take little space compared to the um, pilot Hiroshizuku ink bottles. So there, that's not necessarily a new discovery, but I do like this ink um, from um, Robert Oster and it's um, Soothe Shearwater and it's exclusively from Dylan Leather. So yeah, there, that's my new discovery. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, how would you call this? Those are our new discoveries for the week. So maybe sometime down the line and in our social media, you guys can also give yours. <laughs> Well, what's up next, Ryan? Okay, so up next, let's now go to the meat of this, <laughs> this episode, which is really to have some questions uh, with our special guests for this episode. Okay, so um, these questions, um, of course, we were, we're not necessarily going to um, be very strict with just simply answering them. We can actually branch out and discuss more about other stuff. Um, but we do want to know more about your experience with two things, um, podcasting and also nib grinding. Um, so I'll start with the first question. Um, how did you get started on your pen journey and your yeah, podcasting yeah. journey? Uh, so those are like two different questions, right? It's the, the first is how did I get into pens? And the second is why did I, uh, or why did uh, Jacob and I decide to create Tokyo Inklings? And um, I think that the story with a lot of us in Asia probably goes back like a few decades ago when like we were students. Um, and uh, I, I've said this on a few other podcasts as well, but I think when you're in Asia, like there's not really a moment when you kind of get into stationery because it's just everywhere. So for example, right, if I, you know, the Pilot G2, that's a, a, that's a great pen for people in like the US or the UK, but you know, in, in Asia, that's like just what everybody is using. Um, also same thing with like, you know, we had these, um, we had these like pencil cases where you can press a button and like, like things shoot out of them uh, and things like that. So, you know, there's not a, a single moment where when I think I got into stationary um, in that particular sense, right? But I was always aware of like, okay, there's like station that I'm using, which is like Pilot G2, which I thought was like a normal thing. And then there's like the nice stationery. So this is um, what they put up in like the, the billboards or the, the huge displays uh, at stationery shops. And um, I grew up in Hong Kong, by the way. So uh, a, a big place for me to find stuff was a place called City Super, which is actually, I think Patrick, hmm, works there um particularly to merchandise stationery but anyways so um so at city super there would always be these huge lami displays for lami safaris because you know they're kind of the affordable mm -hmm. um well it didn't seem that way to me when i was a student but you know they were the affordable fountain pen but still they cost like a good 10 15 dollars yeah. and i was like i i can't i can't afford this right i can't <laughs> can't spend like 
hundred Hong Kong dollars on, on a pen. What am I crazy? So I, I've always kind of wanted to, to use a fountain pen, part, uh, specifically the Lamy Safari, but um, you know, just because it kind of looks cool, right? Like everybody's using these ball pens and suddenly there's this like thing, there's like a metal, like sharp point and you know kind of reminds you of being in some kind of movie that's set like 500 years ago so i'm like okay that, that's kind of cool but I, I don't think i can actually afford it um and then i was in china for for one summer where we were well i was enrolled in like a a handwriting kind of boot camp thing to like practice my Chinese right so like to practice my Chinese practice and I'm not sure if you're aware but actually um apparently in China uh fountain pens are kind of common particularly like Hero and like Wingsung like really lower end pens that are that don't even get to the international market right so in at least in the place where I was um when we went to this fountain pen or, or when we went to this like handwriting boot camp, we all got like two or three fountain pens and they all had the, the squeeze bladder, uh, the squeeze bladder fillers. So pilot uh, used to call them con twenties. Yeah. And um, first of all, uh, it never worked for me. The, the problem with these pens is that they don't work. Right. And they're like scratchy. Um, but still, it was kind of cool. But because they didn't work, I just, you know, threw them away. And they're like, whatever. Um, and fast forward, uh, I, I graduated. I went to uh, university in France. And in a lot of parts of Europe, they use fountain pens at school. So um, sorry, backtrack. Maybe <laughs> backtrack one year. Uh, when I was in high school in the U.S., we went to a, a kind of school trip to Vietnam, and we had a few chaperones, and one of the students, his parents lived in Vietnam, so we all went to his house, and his mother cooked us dinner. It was really, really great, and um, as we were leaving, one of the chaperones wrote a thank you message to uh, the, the classmate's mother. And he had such beautiful handwriting. It was, it was incredible. He was like writing some Spencerian stuff with like, like, I don't know. It was incredible. And I was like, wow, what if I need to like thank somebody in the future? Like, I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> right? Like, like I, I need to make sure that I can write something that's like not embarrassing so that if I ever need to thank somebody, I can actually do something like that and, you know, maybe impress them a bit. So fast forward, I'm in university uh, in France and a lot of places still use fountain pens. And one of my classmates, she was from, I think she's French, but she, she grew up in Switzerland and she was using a fountain pen. I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And then I remember that was, I used this, these fountain pens in, uh, back in China uh for that one summer i was like oh that's really cool i should give it a go again so i go into the supermarket and in the supermarket uh they were selling the pilot petite and if you're not aware pilot petite I, I think a lot of people are more familiar with like metropolitan but the pilot petite is like 
really small. It's about like this big, a really pocket pen. It's, you know, maybe half the size of the Metropolitan. Um, it's all plastic and you could get like a pack of three for like five euros. And they're like cartridge only and, you know, blue ink, steel nib. And uh, so I bought a pack and I started using it. It was like one of the smoothest steel nibs I've ever used in my life. And I was like, wow, this is pretty great. Um, it's fantastic. So I, I bought it. And about two weeks later, I went into like the local pen shop. There was like a pen shop. Uh, I went to the pen shop and I bought myself a Parker Sonnet. A gold nib, 18K Parker Sonnet. It's like two weeks, right? Uh, it was like hundred something euros. And that might have been the worst pen that I've ever written with in my life. <laughs> and like, at first I was like, oh, maybe it's like the paper uh, fibers are like catching in, in, in the, in the nib. And I didn't really like it. I you know, prefer my property. So I think I dropped it or something. And then being an idiot, I went back to the shop and I bought the second one of the same model, which was also really, really terrible. And ever since then, I've just, you know, sworn off of, uh, of Parker's. But, um, so I finished my first year, I'm kind of, you know, into fountain pens uh, a bit, but, you know, it's really like the low end. Um, I think I bought like a nice 40 euro kit pen um, from some other random stationery store. And um, that summer I worked at a law firm and, we didn't get paid a lot, but you know, we got some money for it. And I decided that I'm going to buy myself something nice. And in Hong Kong, there are these like literal like hole in the wall shops just lined with luxury pens. Um, uh, so in central, I was walking and I saw a Mont Blanc 145 in Burgundy. And that is a discontinued model. Uh, red is one of my favorite colors and I got suckered into buying it for about 350 US dollars and this pen has an oblique medium nib on it now I didn't know what it was you know I opened the I, I saw it I was like oh this looks kind of pretty and of course the shopkeeper knew so he was like yeah this is really rare like you won't find this again blah blah blah, blah. I was like okay yeah fine I'll buy it um so I bought it at this oblique medium nib which uh I struggled with for for years you know uh, it was it was a pleasure to write with it but because it's not a round nib so you know there was a lot of uh challenges to use it but what I really appreciated was that it kind of gave my handwriting this extra flair that a round nib doesn't so it's kind of like a stubborn and italic um and I used this uh this Mont Blanc 145 R with Mont Blanc's lavender purple same pen same ink for about six to seven years <laughs> so uh one one pen one ink and i would um switch between cartridges and and the converter and the cool thing about that pen is you can actually fit two cartridges into the pen body um but yeah it was like very much obviously it's a very nice pen uh, at that time, I was like, you know, doesn't really get better than this, right? Like, doesn't really get better than a, than a Mont Blanc. Um, and I thought to myself, if I were to buy another pen, if I were to justify buying another pen, it would have to be 
better than this one. But if I'm trying to buy a pen that's better than this one, then I probably can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think about six-ish years afterwards, I I bought my first kind of pen after that. It was a Sailor 1911 um, Pro Fit in uh, Nagnata Togi MF. Okay. And I bought it because it was supposed to be really good for like, you know, uh, Chinese or Japanese characters. And at that time, my thinking was, well, I have an oblique medium for writing in Latin characters. And then I can get this Naginata for like writing in like Chinese or Japanese. I have basically the best pen for everything I need now. So it turns out that the NMF was really, really fat. And I didn't really like writing with it at the time. So I just kind of, you know, put it aside. And I spent like, you know, a few more years. Now, um, 2018 in December, I went on a, uh, a trip with Akane and uh, we went to Kyoto and I discovered this auction app in Japan. I was like, oh, auction, you know, secondhand. So, you know, what do I look up? I, you know, I look up Mont Blanc. Um, and I found that, oh, you can buy like these Mont Blancs for like 5,000 yen. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to put a bid on it. And I didn't know how to use these auction apps. I put a bid, bid on it. And in the end, I ended up paying for like, like, like um, 10,000 Japanese yen for this Mont Blanc, which is not a bad price, right? But actually, that was like a very low end Mont Blanc, which was actually not worth uh, not worth this money. So, I, the the issue with those pens were that um, it was a Mont Blanc generation, and it's not very well known for a specific reason because it's not a very good pen. Um, but it was very prone to cracking near the nib, and I think I bought like five of them, and all of them had the same crack in the same place. And I was thinking, like, if I buy five of them, put the parts together, and I get one working pen, that's worth it. Um, I bought five of them. None of them worked. They all had the same crack in the exact same place. I was like, man, I'm so stupid. But because I had discovered this uh, auction app, I started, like, bidding on all sorts of different pens. And, um, and then this kind of goes into, like, my nib grinding story. But then I downloaded, like, eBay. And then I go on eBay, I'm like looking and I, I, I see like, and I go on Reddit and I see like um, Gourmet Pens, she has this like flexible music nib, like this flexible Waterman music nib. And I'm like, damn, that's so cool. I really want one. Uh, but it was like $300 like on eBay at the time. It's like Waterman, three tined music nib, $300 to $400. I'm like, man, I can't pay that. And then I had the crazy idea and I said to myself, well, why don't I go make one? Um, so it turns out it's much more costly to make one than to buy one, uh, especially because you can't even buy those anymore. Uh, they don't exist on eBay anymore. Um, but I ended up going down this rabbit hole. Okay, why don't I like make one, do it myself, uh, bought like 10 pilot music nibs, um, you know, ground a bunch of them. And now I can 
pretty reliably uh, recreate and make these three tiny music nibs. But you know, the in initial investment was just not worth it at all. Uh, but I had a lot of fun. Um, and I discovered that actually I could grind nibs and and create an experience, a writing experience that I wanted. Um, and that's how I kind of got into nib grinding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know that was like a huge, like 20 minute uh, monologue. Your second question was, how did I get into podcasting? Yeah, podcasting. Um, so in, you know, when I was like researching like Naginata and stuff like that, uh, there was really only two places where you can find reliable information on Japanese pens in English. Uh, the first uh, site was Bruno Tout's blog. Um, and the second website was Ross Stutler's blog. And then I guess there's like FPN, but you know, that was not really reliable. Um, and um, you know, I'm sad to say that Bruno, you know, there's been some controversy with him in the past uh, few years, uh, particularly, you know, his views on COVID and racism and things like this. Um, but, but I have to admit that his blog was a really influential resource, but it was so limited in its scope in the sense that it only focused on like vintage pens um, or like 80% of it is like vintage pens. It's clearly written by like, you know, an old white guy uh, who's like kind of, you know, in the black pen society. Um, and it was just like, all right, there's like this one guy who kind of writes weirdly in like the third person and calls his blog a chronicle. Um, and then there's this other guy, Ross Stutler, who's actually extremely um, good at writing. His, his articles are fantastic, but hasn't been active since 2006. So, um, so there's essentially not a um, source of information for the fountain pen scene in Japan uh, in the English language, which is quite weird, right? Because Japan is one of the largest manufacturers of fine writing instruments in the world. True, yeah. So um, at the time, um, th there was also one more blog, which was uh, foodifan.com. And what, what differentiated foodifan.com from the other two was that foodifan.com had amazing photography, amazing prose, his writing was really good, um, investigative. And it was just, you know, it was like uh, it was really inspiring to 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 read his his um, his work and actually um, he went to Pelican Hubs in I think 2018 and I asked him on Reddit he he wrote a, a blog post about it and I asked him on Reddit he's like I was like hey you know how do I get into these like Wagner events you know are they kind of foreigner friendly because you know in Japan it's it's not always foreigner friendly um, which which is a shame um, but you know, it was, reading his blog was, was super informative. And I managed to, um, to meet Furefan and the now uh, unfortunately disgraced Bruno Tout um, and among others uh, and those people who regularly appear on our podcast, I managed to, to meet them and join their pen community uh, in I think the early months of 2019. And 
um, I was like, you know what? We should make a podcast because there's just not a lot of information. And one of the only podcasts that were revolving around pens uh, at that time was uh, was The Pen Addict. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also, of course, um, Gulilla Q&A, which I really, really enjoyed. Big fan of their uh, their new podcast called The Pencast. Shout out to them. They're really great. Um, but what we noticed, what Fudafan and I noticed was that either the information will be like three or four months late. So, you know, we will have had this discussion and then three months later, they're like, oh my God, we heard about this new pen. And when we hear that on the podcast, we're like, but that happened like a couple months back. <laughs> so so um, we decided, hey, let's do a podcast. And this was in the middle of 2019. And then of course the conversation was, okay, let's do a podcast, let's do a podcast, let's do a podcast. Um, but it wasn't until 2020 when really, you know, we were like, oh, let's do a podcast. And there were like a few different people who wanted to be part of it. And in 2020, I was like, you know what? It's too hard to organize all of you fools. Uh, food fan, buy a microphone. We're gonna record on like Saturday. So, um, so wrote out this, uh, this draft of what would be our first episode. Um, we recorded, um, at first we didn't even know how to record. Uh, we used like the anchor app, which I don't really recommend if you're starting out as a podcaster. Now I was recording with my AirPods, not even AirPod pros, right? Like the OG AirPods you know, record it into anchor. We're like, wait, why is the, the audio like not synchronized? We had to like, put everything back into, um, no, no, that was one track, a single track. And then I, I imported that into my computer and then I had to cut, um, and do like editing wizardry so that it doesn't sound like Fudefan was, uh, or Jacob was, uh, was speaking over me because the, the audios were not synced properly. So, um, so that was the, the origins of the podcast. And the idea really is to deliver information, um, that's locked in Japan because a lot of Japanese news, it's really exciting, but it's locked in Japanese. So deliver that information to the English speaking, um, the wider English speaking community across the world so that this kind of knowledge isn't just trapped in Japan and other people get to enjoy that. Okay. I know, see why that you said that that was like a really long monologue, but as English teachers, we totally appreciate it because we're like, yes, storytelling is happening. There is a plot, a rising action, a climax, and a resolution. So I could totally relate. Like, I think given that we're new at this, um, like the whole experience is very familiar, especially in the podcasting part. That's why we have questions related to that and questions with regard to nib grinding. And... I love that you mention the pen addict and um, <laughs> Gulli Q and A because, like, I actually discovered you through the pen addict. I discovered nice. your podcast through them, and it was because of Sailor Plus and Sailor Minus. Mm-hmm. It was exactly those two episodes wherein I was like, right, because I had just gotten my milk colors, the pink one and the blue one, and mm-hmm. I was like, so 
why did I get it at this price? I want to understand if I overpaid or I underpaid for a particular pen. And then I found out, oh, they're getting phased out. And I got so excited because like suddenly you realize that you've got this part of history that's getting phased out. I'm sorry, I'm talking really quickly, but like your podcast alongside the pen addict. And now like there are a lot of other podcasts that are springing up about the hobby. And it's just, wow. Like I, I am at a loss of words that there's so many of us right now. And like we offer different things to the community. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I have to um, take this opportunity to really thank uh, Brad and Mike for what they've done, because I think they're really like pioneers in this space. Um, you know, fountain pens writing, that's like a very visual element. So, you know, who thought that this like audio podcast would be a success, but, you know, they really paved the, the road for, um, a lot of the other podcasts that exist now. So like, you know, Nib Section, um, Ourselves, Yourselves. Uh, it's it's really like they, they thought, they did what other people thought was like not possible. And as a result, um, we get to kind of enjoy and have multiple points of views as well. So, you know, I kind of, I kind of uh, threw shade at them a bit earlier, but I really think that what they've done for, the pen community specifically for the pen um, creators community is uh, is really important. That's true. That's true. And which leads me to actually bring up that please pimp out the discord <laughs> that you created at the end of the episode, please. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ryan, what's your, wait, I'm lost in our questions, but what's next? <laughs> we are interested to know um, how do you keep up with all of these things that you're doing? Like, you're doing podcasting, nib grinding, um, acquiring pens, um, and having a day job. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the reasons why I got more into like the, the hobby part um, in a way was because I was working at, uh, I was working at Gucci um, from 2018. And uh, I wasn't very fulfilled with my job. I mean, it was an interesting job. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I learned a lot of stuff, but kind of um, corporate culture, uh, especially in retail, especially in luxury retail, uh, the kind of, you know, internal politics that was kind of bringing me down a bit. And um, at the time, I wanted to use uh instagramming about my hobby to kind of stay in touch with what i was doing previously which was uh more like uh digital marketing like influencer marketing uh kind of work and so that's really the origins of uh tokyo station pens was to keep myself connected to what i was doing before so that if i want to go back i can actually cite something that i've done um and so because I wasn't feeling very motivated at work, you know, bathroom breaks uh, happen often. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just checking, checking my phone. And yeah, even to this day, it's, I won't lie, it's a, it's a lot of work. Um, I don't really have weekends. I mean, I have weekends, but those weekends involve me working in some kind of capacity uh, regarding pens. Um, you know, after I clock out my day job, I go 
grind pens for for people um you know when i wake up in the morning i have usually anywhere from five five to 15 messages on instagram and i reply to to those so it's really whenever i have some time like if i'm showering i'm like scrolling okay do i have anything that i need to to address so you know it's it's there's no break there's no pause and um you know it's it's hard it's it's pretty tough and it sounds awful when i say it like that but it's also very rewarding because you're also creating something uh kind of for yourself you know you're, you're creating something like like your own business it's also creating your own legacy and you know i i think one of the the most rewarding things is you know people when they receive uh, a pen that I've ground for them and they just say you know this was this was basically um, even more than I expected and like I didn't even know that I would like something like this um, that, that's really rewarding um, and I, I learned a, a lot about you know what it's like to to run your own business to be really responsible for for pulling you know revenue in by the way i'm not uh so that's my focus for this year is to actually make money um but yeah i've lost money uh doing this for for the past two years because i uh, i price things um lower or i'm reinvesting in like machines um i'm reinvesting in like uh tools that i need so you know and there are failures too, right? Like that. I think I said earlier, I bought like 10 pilot music nibs and only one of them were a success. So, you know, it's, it's hard. It, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's worth it, worth spending that time if you are learning and getting something out of that. We needed to hear that, Ryan. <laughs> we needed to hear that. We're just starting out. But like, yeah, just starting out. Although Jika and I did agree that when we we wanted to do this podcast, it was just really, you know, for for us to talk about <laughs> our interests. And it's like it's nice to hear that really, um, when people start out indeed with their podcast, they just really want to do it for for themselves. You know, it's something to help them yep. um, get away from the stress of their day job or to yep. help them connect with people of the same interest. So that it's, it's nice to hear that, you know, we yep. um, podcast people actually share the same kind of um, ethos, same kind of um, belief when it comes to what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, Jacob, my, my co-host on Tokyo Inklings, um, the reason why our podcast is bi-weekly is because Jacob is very, very busy. Um, because he's actually um, he's actually a quite senior person at a very very large corporation Ooh. so um, so we're all leading like super super busy lives um, and that's why I, I kind of volunteer to really uh, you know we both edit the podcast right I edit the first pass and he edits the second pass it's it's uh something that we've been thinking about is to start monetizing um because we spend a lot of money to, to do this and i'm sure you know as well 
but a part of me also I guess it's also about like finding the time to do that and then if you don't have time to think about how to monetize and you end up not doing it and then it's you know lost opportunities but yeah yeah um we started out out of passion but we're understanding that indeed some things do have to be monetized. We got to yeah. fall into that capitalist structure. Kidding. <laughs> but that recent question was actually a question we were very much invested in because like we know yeah. that you guys are very busy. Teaching is very involved work as well. So yeah. like, from someone who's been doing it for almost two years, a year and a half, am I right? Year and a bit. Year and a bit. Uh, um, it, it was something that we needed to hear, which leads me, I think, to the last podcast question. And that's really you... And you are, your podcast has offered something new, as you said, that wasn't covered by previous podcasts, the earlier, the predecessors, the forefathers. So given that there are quite a few new podcasts coming out, ours included, um, there is, I'm not really sure how old the nib section is or the stationary cafe is. And there's like, recently I found out about Tinterias, um, which mm-hmm. is based in Mexico. What do you think... Um, the pen podcasting community hasn't covered yet or should cover that we mm-hmm. haven't yet? Yeah. Um, before I answer that question, I do want to circle back about the capitalist comment. Um, I actually disagree uh, mm-hmm. because what we're doing is work, right? Like content creation is work. So um, so we should you should get compensated for that right? Like content is not free. I think that's what a lot of listeners don't understand is that it's, it's not easy and it's not free to, to create this. Obviously it's free for them to consume it. Um, but it's, I don't think it's like particularly capitalistic for you to own your labor and for you to be paid for that labor. So in fact, I, I, I think that's actually quite socialist. So anyways, um, <laughs> um <laughs> anyways uh moving on from the, from the politics i think that's a different podcast which i'm happy to have with you yes please. um i think uh pen podcasting is is alive and well as long as people do it right and what's really great about all of these different podcasts is that we all have a a particular perspective on um on the hobby so i'll give you an example right um uh the pen addict when you listen to that podcast is very clear that it is a general but specifically pen related podcast so it's not a stationary podcast it is specific about pens but not specific to fountain pens um our podcast is specific to fountain pens and it's even more niche than that the nib section is a podcast that is specific to fountain pens but it also looks at it from a more i think macro point of view a more like uh let's say retail friendly point of view um and you know they talk a lot about stuff like out of the box and they have to be out of the box um and you have the stationary cafe, which is a general overall stationary podcast that also talks about fountain pens because they're part of a more general aesthetic. And for you, you're a uh, you are a specifically, I think, pen podcast, but from a lens of somebody 
who's really trying to, um, let's say, get in. I don't want to say catch up because I, I don't think you can ever stop catching up, even for us. Like, you know, we're always catching up. But to kind of discover what already exists and have your take on that and how you can kind of approach that. So I, I hope I got uh, I hope I got that right. So did. <laughs> so is there anything that you want to hear specifically from pen podcasting or like what type yeah. of content are you craving for as of recent? Yeah. Um, I really like the station podcast, not because they're doing, doing it on purpose, right? But I really like the happy hour from the station cafe because it looks at it from a particularly from a uh, a um, non male lens because I think it's very easy you know you look at the people who the general fountain pen um, community it's very male skewed and I think their perspective which is specifically not male is uh, is very refreshing. And we've said it on our podcast as well. We think that the future of the hobby, any hobby really, is should lean towards more younger audiences, more female audiences. And so something that's really interesting is if you look at like um, a following like mine, where I have about 60, 65% male following versus 35% female following. And then you talk to somebody like April, which is like the exact opposite, right? Like, so... Um, in that way, they're seeing something that's totally different. And for me, that that's super interesting. I, I think that there should be more things like this. Um, you mentioned earlier, um, uh, I can't say this because it's a Spanish word, but Tintieras. Yeah. Um, they are a Spanish-speaking podcast. I think that's super interesting. I personally don't listen to it because I don't understand Spanish. But, um, but I think they're really... Uh, interesting because they have a angle which looks at um, specifically like they are able to talk to a lot of retailers so not the manufacturers but the people who are actually distributing the products in, in that area so you know just different perspectives that are not the same old same old that we have like not the um, and you know Stephen Brown SBRE Brown he was great uh, Fig Boots, he's great, but there are so many um, people like that, especially if you go on like Fountain Pen Network. I, I want to hear from more like younger people. I want to hear from like more female people, um, non-male people, uh, you know, just all across the spectrum because I think there's there's a lot of different ways to approach that. Okay, I feel so included right now. Thank you <laughs> for making me a woman. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. Actually, if you do take a look at the, well, when it comes to the Philippines, my observation, the market in the Philippines, I think more female, um, there are more female fountain pen users. Um, well, the younger ones usually. Yeah. But our listeners are 62% from the US. <laughs> they're mostly English speakers and there's like 12% from the Philippines. So a lot of things factor into that. I think ours is really economics and access. Yeah. Um, so that's something that we're trying to bridge. And maybe yeah. that's why your content is like this. Because like, the more, the merrier. Yeah. Go girl. And I mean, you won't believe this, but like, you know, I think general fountain pen sales, it probably skews very heavily towards men. 
but my fountain pen sales are 80% women and women spend more than men. Women spend more with me on men, more often with me than men and have a higher average unit price than men. So um, men are much more price sensitive. They, they're like, oh, it's too expensive. I don't want to do it. Whereas um, women are more like, okay, I like this product. I think it's a great product. So I'm willing to pay for it. I am so, so called out. <laughs> I'm buying a pen from you. So I totally understand this. Like when I wanted that Hachimonji Yakubo Sakura, I was like, I missed it the first time. I know someone who can get it for me. And then he does special nib grinds and stack nibs. I was like, yes, I am in regardless of price. Yes. Thank you, CY. Uh, they haven't restocked on that yet, but um, I think they're saying now uh, mid to late summer, maybe they're going to restock. That's totally okay. I'm actually having second thoughts right now at this point because like in the podcast, your most recent one, you were talking about the Twilight one from Google Box and I was like, do I tell him? Oh, I have an extra of that. Oh, dear God. Let's (laughs) talk after recording. We can, uh, we can, we can, uh, we can swap. We might switch, which okay. leads us to talking about nib grinding. Because, you know, if I get that twilight and nib grinds included. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, actually, we are curious to know um, what makes a nib actually good. Um, yeah. Is there such a thing as a good nib and a bad nib? And if, if there is such a thing as a bad nib, like what makes a nib, quote unquote, bad? There is definitely such a thing as a bad nib and what makes a nib bad. Um, I've encountered two types. Uh, The first type is more common. It has a bad nib grind. The second type is that um, the alloy that they use is bad. So um, the first type, the nib grind is bad. How this can happen is that you might have somebody else who's grinding the nib who doesn't really know what they're doing and they've uh, either taking too much tipping off or they've they've changed the shape to be like this weird shape that um, that kind of goes against the the uh, physics of of writing because a lot of um, of nib grinding is actually thinking about the physics of how your your nib touches the paper and how that would then make the ink flow so um, that's how you can have a bad nib you can also have a bad nib if uh, for example um, and how I determine whether a nib is acceptable or not is, um, so here you have like, let's say the tines, right? And a lot of times you'll see that in Western nibs, particularly Yovo, um, you'll have the tines that kind of are like this and they don't touch and you'll see some light through it. For me, I consider that a bad nib. Why do I consider that a bad nib? It's not because it doesn't write. Often it might write, it might even write well, but why I consider that a bad nib is because you would never be able to grind a nib like that to an extra fine without closing the time gap. Um, so for me, a good nib is a nib that is first well ground. Second of all, it should you should be able to regrind that into a needle point without messing with the the tine alignments because um, because like that's for me, the mark of paying attention to how you've done that nib. The second type, which is bad alloys. Bad alloys can happen, I've seen, um, I've seen some in the past 
recently I, I was playing with a Omas Extra Flexible, which um, it was so soft and mushy that the tines didn't go back to where they were supposed to be, mm. even though you're not really applying a lot of pressure. Um, so that could be possibly because um, the previous owners had splayed it too many times or, or, or some other factors, but for me, that would be a bad nib if it doesn't keep its shape. Ooh, that, that's actually an interesting word. Um, now that I think about it, there are nibs that are kind of quote-unquote mushy. Yeah, I've experienced those kinds of nibs <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah. They're super hard or like yeah. um, yeah. really, um, they, they don't bounce. There's just a lack of bounciness to it. Yeah. Uh, for me, the company that made the best nibs is Pilot. <gasps> yes. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Pilot makes the best nibs, uh, but they make the most boring bodies. What's that? Sorry. They make the most boring bodies. The boring bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do agree. Their, their designs are kind of boring. Like probably the, the most interesting the one most, yeah. is the custom A23. Well, for the yeah, most. Great pen. Yeah. I've got one. Uh, I've got one here. Oh, yay. I also have one. I think. And check it Ooh. out. This What's is that? a job by Bob Mondo. I don't know if you can see. Oh, no. Oh, no. See? It's because of the lighting. So there's actually those um, sparkles. Those are actually solid gold dots. Oh. Solid gold? Yeah. Um, and then I also have this one, which is a custom uh, 90... Custom Heritage 92, which I've stacked the nibs. So I've made this into a, a two-layer um, Naginata nib now. And of course, they don't make this color anymore, which is a shame because this purple color is quite a nice color. The pen envy is really strong right now. Thanks, Eli, for showing all of that. <laughs> doesn't help that I watched um, Inky Rocks's video fairly recently about the Bokumondo yeah. visit. Yeah. It's like, that's another thing on the list. Yeah. Dear. Oh my, Jika, I think that's a sign already for you to get a custom A23. Or go to Japan when we're finally yeah. vaccinated. So That's right. <laughs> yeah, actually. Okay, so now, uh, CY, this, this part is the quote-unquote juicy part of the, All right. of the podcast. And it's our Nuber Have I Ever segment. So we're just going to give you a bunch of... Um, a bunch of statements and um, you just have to say yes or no. And then if you'd like to elaborate or tell us more about that one, uh, feel free to do so. It's basically a play, a, another word play, this time for never have I ever. Um, Sounds good. We don't have drinks. <laughs> we don't have any drinks here, but yeah. <laughs> so um, we have, how many is this? I think we have five, four, four statements. Four, four okay. statements. And then... Um, I'll start with Nuber Have I Ever and then I'll continue the statement and then let us know if it's a yes or a no. All right. All right. So the first one is um, Nuber Have I Ever Been Satisfied with a Nib Out of the Box? That's a very interesting question. Um, I will say, yes, I have been satisfied with a nib out of the box. The question is, for how long? 
So for how long is the shortest or the longest time that you've been satisfied with a nib? Uh, I mean, I use the same pen for seven years, so I guess that's a long time. That's true. Um, and then I had that reground afterwards. <laughs> well, that's a long time. Seven years. That's a long time. That's a long time. Not, I've not committed to a pen that long. <laughs> if you don't mind us asking, what, what, which pen is this? Oh, it's the Mont Blanc that I was referring to previously, the uh, oblique medium. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Next Nuber. Next Nuber, how I, have I ever is, um, uh, Nuber, have I ever told myself I'm only sticking to a specific nib type? Does that make sense? Or is it kind of a repeat, Ryan? Can you modify it, you think? <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's more of like, um, you're just going to stick to, oh, I'm just into medium. I'm just going to stick to medium or I'm just going to stick to extra fine or I'm just going to stick to Japanese nibs or I'm going to stick yeah. to Western nibs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, I've told myself that I'm only going to stick to non-factory grinds. <laughs> so the opposite of what you were asking. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, the reason why I didn't buy a pen for such a long time uh, that I was satisfied with what I had was because I just found the round nibs to be kind of boring, you know, the F, M, and B, you know, so what? And starting to grind nibs uh, kind of brought me back into actually the purchasing part of the hobby. Um, so, so I told myself I'm never going to uh, use, for myself at least, a factory uh, nib okay okay we get that we need more nib grinders in this country we've got we know like three so far so we gotta do our research yeah. um, ryan what's i heard name? uh i oh. heard john lim is pretty good yeah john ryan, lim. he got yeah, john, john lim yeah john lim is pretty good i had mine uh my pelican i have a pelican M400. Um, it's originally a medium nib, but I had it um, turn into cursive italic. Yeah. So, because I found the Pelican nibs to be very thick. I mean, the medium is quite thick yeah. and very wet. And then I had it grinded to cursive italic. And now I want to use it for my signatures. I think it adds <laughs> some form of character. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's John Lim. Um, next. Nuber, have I ever wished a pen had a Japanese or Western nib or vice versa? Like, let's say you have a Pelican or like a Western um, pen and then you wish it had a Japanese nib or the other way around. Uh, no, um, I have never wished that. I have wished that um, the nib was gold instead of steel. Oh, why is that the case? Uh, it's just a rule for myself. Um, I only use gold nib pens. I'm a gold nib snob. Um, so steel nibs, not for me. Uh, there's also a practical element because gold does not react. Um, so if you're using like all kinds of inks, for example, iron gall inks, you shouldn't really use them in your steel nib pens because I'm not saying that this will happen, but there is a potential for it to actually create pits into your nibs and create holes. So 
so why not just be safe and just stick with golden pens? And plus, looking at where the market is going now, I can get a golden pen secondhand for less than what some of the U.S. makers are charging for a steel nib pen. Oh, I get. Even Pilot, right? Pilot, yeah. uh, the this pen Pilot, um, Pilot Custom Heritage ninety two. It's like one hundred and sixty dollars. That's a lot less than a lot of the the custom makers are asking for a steel nib, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, I think we're down to the last Nuber have I ever, and it is. Nuber have I ever asked someone else to grind the nib of a pen that I own? Uh, I have done this. I have done this. Um, but that was before I, uh, before I started grinding nibs. Um, so I asked Masayama, Mike Masayama to do two nibs for me. Um, one was to make that original OM nib a bit sharper, a bit crisper. And the second was to do a, an italic on my Carandash. Oh, wow. So wait, in gist, let me just get the number of years of experience here. You have been into pens since, or like for how long, how many years? Uh, I bought my first pen with my own money since 2011. 11 years. Podcasting for a little bit. 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. Oh, yeah, it is 2021. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of school years. Um, sorry. But podcasting for a year, almost a year and a half, 10 years into pens. How long for nib grinding? Uh, maybe around two to three years. Oh, that that doesn't look like two to three years. Like I, I see people starting to learn how to stack nibs. And I'm like, I even knew about your nib stacking before your podcast. And I, I've wanted one for a long time. So thank you for providing thank that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and that's really it for Nuber Have I Ever and the, the meat of this podcast. But see why you have a lot of social media handles and where can we find you and what other like Discord stuff do you have? It's this is the time. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, my name is CY. I have a website at tokyostationpens.com. You can find me on Instagram at tokyostationpens, on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. Uh, additionally, um, I just thought that, you know, stationary creators, um, one of the big hurdles is like understanding, okay, where do we start? Like, what equipment do we need? Uh, what do I need to do? What's my schedule? Um, how do I make money off of this? And a lot of those questions, you know, we had at the beginning of our podcast, what, what, what equipment do we use? Do we use Zoom? Do we use something else? And there's really nowhere to like, like find the answers to these questions. So um, I've recently created a Discord uh, channel. Uh, let me see what I called it. I don't remember what I called it. I too am it part is of it. called um, Stationary Creators Club. And, and in it, I have uh, I have uh, rooms for uh, streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, Instagrammers, bloggers. Uh, you can ask stuff about like equipment. You can talk about like stats. Like one of the things, right, is like, okay, um, what about listenership stats? Like how, when do I, like how do I benchmark my, my numbers, right? Because people don't really like to talk about their statistics um, to other people. Um, 
at least not openly, right? So, um, you know, place where you can talk about stats, you know, public resources, maybe you want to collab with somebody else. So I've just created this Discord. If you want to get into this Discord, DM me on Instagram. The best place to, to actually find me and talk to me is on Instagram. Um, I have some pages on, on my website, but uh, I don't really check them. So Instagram is the way to go. But, uh, but yeah, um, I also host a podcast. I uh, co-host a podcast called Tokyo Inklings. We are um, in our second year. We do bi-weekly episodes. And uh, yeah, it'll be really great if you could drop us a, a follow, subscribe. If you already listened to the podcast, make sure you help us write a review, um, an honest review. Uh, doesn't have to be five stars because my podcasting partner is very skeptical of all of the five star reviews. But you know, uh, we do read our reviews um, every episode. So yeah, um, help us uh, do a review. Um, tell your friends, tell your family members, tell your your coworkers, whoever it may be. Yes. And thank you, CY, again for joining us for this episode. And you know, maybe sometime in the future we can have Jacob in here as well. <laughs> if he manages to get out of some heavy work. And that's really it, guys. Thanks for tuning in again. I am Jika. And I'm Ryan. And he is Bye. Yes. And we'll see you in the next episode of Pen. Boom. Boom. Stay.